0: We're back today with Michael Bush, CEO of Great Place to Work, the global authority on workplace culture. Previously, Michael was CEO of Tetra Tech Communications, a billion dollar global telecommunications infrastructure firm, and he was a member of President Obama's White House Business Council. Great Place to Work makes it easy to survey your employees, uncover actionable items, and get recognized for your company's great culture. Michael Bush, welcome back to the Good Company podcast. We were talking about how for all leaders and purpose-driven leaders need to show up on topics of social concerns and even political concerns today. And yet, as fast as we're all learning how to talk about racism, equality, and even politics in the workplace, the environment and the urgency around these issues keeps changing. In the months since George Floyd's murder... How do you see that we all, meaning workers and leaders alike, are different in this moment than we were back last May when the world first came into awareness about systemic racism in our country? What's starting to shift?
1: What's starting to shift is that regardless of who you are, what demographic group or groups you're a part of, you're in an organization that has said nothing about racial injustice, It's hard to find an organization that has said nothing about COVID-19. But there are some organizations saying strange things about COVID-19 that are shocking to me, a believer in science. But they are saying that. Like, there are organizations who have posted, you do not have to wear a mask in our facility. I think it's crazy. Okay, but there are organizations doing that. Um, And if you're an employee in that organization you're having a certain experience. And care means something different to you. Um, so that's with COVID-19. Racism, the same is true. You're in an organization that has either made a statement about racial injustice. They're all over a lot of websites. Or you're in an organization that has said absolutely nothing. Well, there are people in every background and demographic group who have a reaction to that. They have a reaction so this is this is what people are actually living through um, right now today same thing around around the the election uh, there are some organizations who have said we congratulate uh, um, uh, president-elect Biden and, and Kamala Harris uh, you know at, at this point in time there are some who, that have said nothing and there are some that have said the election results should be contested If you're a person in those places, you're having different experiences. So I think that the the purpose-driven leader is thinking about how do you bring people together? How do you bring people together? And and so, again, it's back to the purpose of the organization, why the organization exists, what people need to be doing for each other, and what people need to be doing for the customer uh, and their communities. It's tying all of that together. And... What's preventing us from doing this? Well, I think one of the things that's preventing people from doing that is if they feel like they're having a different experience in life compared to other people, and therefore they aren't feeling the same. And the data says that some people get promoted at a far higher rate than others. The data says men make at least 17% more in an equivalent job than a woman. So the data says, I can keep going. Things are not equitable. This is without COVID-19 and without George Floyd's murder. So purpose-driven leaders are leaders who can say, we know there's a problem with pay and we're working on that. We know that COVID-19 is real and here's what you should do to take care of your family. And what you say now, if you say wearing a mask is up to you, you are communicating through a political lens to most people. Now they may agree with you, but you're using a political lens. You're certainly not using science. I defy anyone to say that science says that, that, that you should do that. Well, employees are smart. They read, they understand You know, what you're signaling. And if you're saying that um, we care about a just society and equity and fairness here, um, then acknowledging we have a problem is the first step. And what are we gonna do about it? So uh, a leader needs to be doing those things as I believe they do when they're gonna move into China or when they're gonna open a, a manufacturing location in North Carolina, they make the case. They talk about what this is gonna do for the customer what this is going to do for employees, how this is going to help the organization fulfill its purpose. They need to do the exact same drill and same steps around these matters. So business is uncomfortable, you know, in in many ways. So one of the things that's uncomfortable is talking about health. Another thing that's comfortable is talking about mental health. A lot of companies don't want to talk about mental health, which I think is a mistake, but they don't want to talk about it. A lot of companies don't feel like the financial well-being of their employees. They should talk about it. That's your business. I think that people need help. A lot of people, just like they didn't learn about black history, they didn't learn how to balance a checkbook, and they didn't learn about credit cards and what the credit card game is all about. So I believe we have a responsibility to do that because it's easy to do. So why not help people with the financial future um, by by taking on that responsibility of of helping them and thinking about their total well-being? Well, the same thing around... Around racism. People don't understand it and, and, and they're afraid of it. So, you want to convene people in a way with the green, with the color markings on, on how to make c- comments. You want to acknowledge that the company is not where they want to be, which I can say that about any company on earth. Then, you find a way of, of having an open conversation with the leader saying, We need to come together here we need to, to 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 come together in a way that for some of you you're going to get treated better here than you are in society um, th- that's what's going to happen because i believe it's possible and we can do it we can't control all things in society we can try and affect them but we can control what happens here and i want you to be emotionally physically and psychologically safe here i want this to be the place we can disagree i might say the wrong thing I might call a person black and they prefer to be called African-American. I may call a person African-American. And they might prefer to be black. If I do, let me know and I'll mm-hmm. adjust and I'm not going to assume how to go forward. I'm going to stumble and make mistakes because it's so important to me. I'm willing to do that. And and then and then now we can come together and convene and, and, and have some ground rules like the color scheme on how we're going to behave. And the best way to have a, a difficult conversation is by depositing some questions what are you frustrated about what are you confused about what makes you angry what do you do to sustain yourself and rebuild what's your biggest concern about how we relate to each other and work what are your biggest concerns about society and what's going on and you grab all that and then now you it's pretty easy to look at that data and know what you where you can help people in terms of learning and education which is the whole point for everyone i don't need any coaching on racism so i'm not going to participate that's a person who's closed off everybody needs it mm-hmm. i got a row of books here on how i'm learning all about racism and, and about america and the root and federal taxation the initial d- division and mm-hmm. and uh, uh you know the institutionalized um inequality um and how that was created because i want to know Because I need a new way to to get about this problem. And so it's speaking, it's listening, it's then putting some learning together and then putting some measurable goals together in the company that people are excited about. Excited about. You know, it's one thing, you know, I saw, you know, Amazon put out a statement recently that they're going to double the number of black employees um, that are at VP levels. Okay, so on the one hand, I go, I'm certainly happy about that. But, you know, going from single digit to single digit isn't like a cause for celebration and I'm not giving out, you know, Grammy awards. So, so, but it's progress. And at least they're making the statement, you know, and and so on behind that. But I think, you know, I just shouldn't be necessarily jumping up and down about that. But this is what organizations have to do. Speak, listen, learn, and then measurable. The one thing I like is they said double.
0: Right. Gave a number. metric. They gave a number. Yeah. Awesome. I want to go off script here. And what I'm going to ask you about, we may or may not actually include uh, in in what actually gets published here, uh, depending on whether we're both comfortable with it. Uh, I remember when I first spoke with you. I was at a conference down in San Jose, and I got you on the phone. was the very first conversation we had. And I already knew that I wanted, I wanted to record you, uh, because of what great place to work does. And I'm sure I assumed because you were African-American in that job that, uh, you had a perspective that, you know, before George Floyd and where we were anywhere near where we are right now in this conversation, but i wanted that perspective heard by my audience. But I remember, Michael, that I felt I was kind of, I was saying to you, I want you to go over the edge when we talk. I want you to, because there was a reserve to how you were comfortable talking about what the workplace needed to be. And I was pretty, I was very gentle about it in that first conversation. I think I reiterated it, you know, maybe once. But I can tell you that the recording I have of you, the last time we recorded this and what and how you're talking today, this is like the real guy. This is the real you. This is what you absolutely believe in your heart of hearts. And I'm curious what has transpired for you personally over the last, you know, months since May, maybe a little longer, because you are out and articulate and passionate about this uh, at a new level. And I'm just curious, what has happened to bring you here?
1: Yeah. and
0: uh, Or am I off base? No, no, no. You're,
1: you're completely on track. And, uh, and I compliment you for that. Um, your observation skills are awesome. On point. And um, so uh, I'll, you know, tell you what's happened. The, you know, um, when I bought Great Place to Work, Um, The business was financially bankrupt. And so I had to turn it around. Uh, And then, um, which isn't easy to do when you got a lot of debt and all those things. And so you're you're working and you have to be, you have to take intelligent risks. And and, and so part of that was I did move to Great Place to Work for All. And then altered our methodology to to get to where we are today. Um, But at that time, I couldn't talk about it too much. Um, because I was getting a lot of negative feedback, uh, from customers as I talked about it, um, right. because they knew what the implications were, uh, as I talked about a great place to work for all. And, um, so it was, you know, not easy to do, um, because, you know, I'm a business person who wants to be successful and make sure I can take care of the employees who work at a great place to work. Um. So it took me some time, number one, to get the company on, on sound financial footing. And then it took me a while to get the algorithms right. And, and I did lose customers. I lose, lost some of the biggest brands in the world. Um, by when making, you
0: went to For All. When, when I you... went to
1: For All in, in the algorithm. And they realized they knew they, did, they had a, workplaces who were great places to work for some, great places to work for many, but certainly not for all because we do a demographic comparison of part-time, full-time, gender, job level. Race? Um, we race. We do these comparisons, and you see something that's very different um, uh, because we double-click on the data. And, um, and so we had companies that were used to kind of an average comparison, which if you, on the average, you, you look at black employees in technology, they're having a great experience. The highest level of pride among any racial group is African-Americans have the highest level of pride for working at a tech company. Now, there's a historical reason for that. Why? Um, Because for their families, it was they were growing up, it was to one day work at a company like that. It was to have a job at a company like that. That was success. You go to college, and then you work for a company like that. So they were enormously proud because they were carrying themselves and prior generations on their back. But you ask that same person are promotions fair here? And they will tell you, no. The data changes instantly. Well, our algorithms go to the next next question.
0: So take me to what changed for you.
1: What changed for me was the, this was always my plan to, to try and use data to show people that treating, creating an environment that's a great place to work for all and then letting talent rule you're gonna get a diverse environment because you're gonna get rid of incompetent people who are in roles because of their bias and replace them with the best of the underrepresented group. Any woman who gets to the top of the C-suite is top talent because of (laughs) what she had to endure to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And who did she replace? A less competent male, or she wouldn't have gotten there. I got all the data on what I'm saying now, and I'm not the only person with this research to show what's happened to GDP in the U.S. as women entered the workforce. It went from $500 billion in 1960 to $14.4 trillion in 2010. That's what happened with women coming in, not because anybody wanted them to, but Sandra Day O'Connor had a lot to do with it. And then then Ruth Bader Ginsburg had a lot to do with it Mm -hmm. by proving there was discrimination. As they came in, the talent just took over and rose to the top. And so America thrived. You know, as a result, it's the ultimate diversity and inclusion story uh, of of how diversity and inclusion drives economic growth. And what happened to the white men who were competent? They made tons more money. They still (laughs) made way more than than, than women, twice as much. So, you know, that makes it clear. So what happened for me is, so when you met me and I'm talking to a group, I know it's filled with people who don't believe in Great Place to Work for All. It's people who are curious about it and it's people who are committed to it. Any CEO from those three categories can probably describe three Michael Bushes. Because the ones who are committed, they get this and always have for the last four years. The ones who are curious, get this. The ones that aren't, get a more, hey, it's great for your employees and improve your employee experience. You know, it, it doesn't hurt your bottom line and um, and, and so on. They, they're not going to get... Yeah, but get... I'm
0: hearing something else. I'm hearing that... Partly because you got the company on track, but also probably for some personal reasons that might be related to external circumstances recently or not. But you've come to a place of redefining your market and being willing to slightly niche in on that which will be magnetized towards you and not worry about that which will not. Yeah. Which is a key strategy for every business leader to pay attention to because yes. there is no business that is all, I don't know, maybe DHL or FedEx or whatever, but you know, most of us that are in service-related companies are not going to be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ironically, we're not for all, even though yeah. our companies are. But that's what I'm seeing in you, Michael. I'm seeing a focus and a clarity about who you are, what great place to work represents, and a comfort level in being that.
1: Yeah, that's, well, yeah, I didn't think about it that way, Barbara. But because, yeah, a few years ago, I needed any business I could get. Um, now I am clear. Any Anything I'm talking about, it's a, to the curious, open-minded leader or the one who's committed. And all, all, all my content is only for those groups. You're right. But three years ago, four years ago, I'll take anybody.
0: You couldn't take that I'll, I'll
1: take anybody. I'll take anybody. So
0: So I just want to end this on a note of compassion because I'm my – uh, my clients and my market that I do, t- I do the same thing. Yeah. I know who's for me and who I wanna work with and that's where I'm targeted, right? But it is so important in my humble opinion right now, especially after this election, realizing how divided we are, that we have compassion for where everyone is. And I think it's really helpful to rec- to hear your story and recognize that even someone with your ideology and beliefs was in a position for a while where you had to shelve or not amplify a very important part of your belief for in order to get a priority purpose out there and stable and we have a lot of ceos that are facing those kind of circumstances and i know that neither you nor i want to write them off
1: yeah I, I, they're getting here yeah they're
0: getting here on their own time their own way yeah, right yeah
1: most of well i'm not there's some I'll, <laughs> there's some. i'm actually willing to write off uh yeah okay. I'm, I'm not one of those <laughs> you know my life's experience has been such but um uh, but i i you know but there's a you know the the curious um uh, open mind that mm-hmm. humble person that's a huge number of people
0: it is a huge number that, of
1: people. It, it's that that market's huge and it's even larger as millennials move into more roles of power. That's right. Because that group, that group is purpose-driven. Very. So that group, if you're not doing, talking about the environment, they don't know who you could possibly be. Right. right. How could you not be thinking about your business's impact on the environment? It's not a choice. Just like D&I, for that generation, it's not a choice. Right. And what do you mean you're trying to choose? They don't get it. And this is a good thing. And this is fueled the change, especially as they move into into leadership roles. So, um, well,
0: you know, it's funny because I just interviewed um, Nancy Vitale is our spotlight guest of the week this week. That's awesome. On big fan the of podcast. She's so amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that was, you know, she's so optimistic about the future of work. And I asked her that question and she pointed to the new generation of leaders are going to bring us into such a great place yeah. in terms of purpose at work. And you just echoed the same too. thing. I agree.
1: Yeah, and she talks. You know, the the only the purpose driven leader believes in what Nancy's talking about well being.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Y- you you get it, and you realize if you get that right, your people will do
0: anything for you. Anything. Mm-hmm.
1: They'll do anything. Um, so it's it's the ultimate show of care and respect, and all the things that that certainly create. A great place to work we're great thought partners i'm a big fan of what she's doing we're working together mm-hmm. and, and and collaborating as a result because uh she makes it real it's That's like right. if you want to know what to do take care of people as people mm-hmm. uh, not not just as employees and so she you know she amplifies that but i i i definitely believe in in what you do in in helping leaders get clear on 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 why they're here and and what might be in the way for them and and helping them break through i hope that uh to me as as i'm talking now uh i'm definitely um i'm always like for the curious and open-minded leader that's who i'm focusing on the most totally Uh, just just right there and i i do talk about money for that leader (laughs) because that leader that leader is wondering the same thing i used to wonder is if I really go people first, is it going to hurt me financially? Is there a trade-off? Because I went to business school, and so there you're taught there's a trade-off.
0: And what we're seeing is that there's actually no trade-off. If you do this right, there's an amplification effect.
1: Yep, there's a, there's a ton of money. Zoom CEO talked from day one about his job is happiness. In connecting people,
0: uh, he stole that from uh, Zappos. <laughs> uh, well, well,
1: you know, a, a, little, a little bit different, but I, I, I the wording's the same. Same but idea. I know Tony. I, I know Tony Shay, and 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 this leader. It's a little bit different, um, uh, but similar. You know, in, in terms of their focus, and you know, Zappos was a great place to work. Yes, um, sure. Uh, you know, before um, uh, their change, yeah. but so, so definitely aligned from a values point of view. Um, but he started that technology on that principle mm-hmm. on, on that basis and so now of course i'm happy to see uh them get the the, the results and where would the world be without them right now oh my god you, you know and so it's just sh- to me functioning th- that shows what a purpose-driven person can deliver to the world he he didn't start by saying one day the world's going to keep spinning and schools are going to keep educating because of me he didn't say that eight years ago. Um, he, he said, "I want to connect people," um, and, and 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 but purpose is what makes it so you do. And he never thought he'd be as rich as he is today. Incomprehensible. The, the, he came out of Cisco, you know, out of an acquisition when they bought Webex. They're more valuable than Cisco today. I know eight years ago I was like, well, you one day?" He'd be like, "Oh hell no, that'll never happen." Right? But he is. That's what purpose can do. So for for people who are wondering about will this economically pay off, got tons of data. Um, what what happens when you put people first?
0: So awesome. I, I I don't think we could end on a on a better, clearer, more bullseye right through the center the focus of this conversation topic. Michael, you are so awesome. I um, can't thank you enough for being, not just on this podcast, for being Michael Bush, and for running And doing what you're doing with a great place to work. Uh, This is your moment, and we need you, and I'm grateful.
1: Okay. Thank you very much, Barbara.
0: Thank you, Michael. Okay. Huge thanks to Michael Bush for setting the example of a purpose driven leader and guiding us towards a positive future for all in these chaotic times. If being recognized as a great place to work matters to you and your business, the first step is to go to Great Place to Work and get certified as a great place to work company. Again, that's greatplacetowork.com. If you like what you're hearing, you'll find all the Good Company podcast episodes on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. If you're curious about working with me, send me an email, barbara at shannon-solutions.com. Till next time, stay strong and carry on. I'm Barbara Shannon, and you're listening to The Good Company Podcast.